Good morning, everyone, and welcome to The Daily with Syl Stein. Welcome back. Today is Monday, and we're going to start off fresh again and continue on week five of Amy Peters, um, the Writer's Devotional, 365 Inspirational Exercises, Ideas, Tips, and Motivations on Writing. Thank you for joining us. As I said last time, we were working on week five. We started on Writers on Writing. And first of all, happy Monday. It is dark and gloomy today, but still a nice, starting to look a little bit better. I hope everyone's having a good day. I, I thought I would just dive in and continue on. Uh, we started on Writers on Writing. We discussed uh, the quote by Dorothy Parker, and she talked about um, when it comes to uh, editing not not that the story need be long, but it will take a long while to make it short. I know Dorothy Parker said, I can't write five words, but that I change seven. Because a lot of us focus so much on um, trying to edit while we write. And that was the first year I did Nano or National Novel Month, which is coming up soon in November. Um, I did that the first year. I was so focused on trying to edit while I wrote. Well, now I just focus on writing and then going back and editing everything. And we will be having a editing episode, hopefully in November. I do have some editors that I have already contacted. I just need to send them the random questions and hopefully you'll hear all the feedback they have to offer. And I hope it helps you. Um, but as I was saying, um, we, we discussed that on Writers on Writing for Week 5 on Monday. Then motivation was um, um, when you remember all writing counts and set a goal of writing. And I talked about the different authors that set a goal and work on that. And we discussed that. And then there was one where um, the writing class, make a one panel comic strip about getting your hair cut. So for me, I'm not a good artist, but I did kind of focus on an event that happened years ago uh, when I was uh, in a beauty shop. I wasn't too familiar with them. This was back home and I hadn't found a good hairstylist. And I just went in for one of those like super cut places. And I remember the person did not cut my hair right. So it was kind of a horrifying experience because um, I, uh, I I had longer hair. I, then I had shorter hair and it wasn't, uh, length properly so I ended up having to cut it more so I kind of wrote a little bit I didn't write 50 words but I just kind of wrote a drew a picture which wasn't very well done but about you know I sit here at the beauty parlor nerve a nervous wreck hoping that this person won't mess my hair up unfortunately for me it has already started wrong when the uh, the hairstylist has cut one side long uh uh shorter than the other so so I kind of started with that I don't know if it's kind of you know not very intriguing because I still have to put the words together but if you all want to call in and share your writing class where you make a one pan uh one panel comic strip about getting your hair cut and kind of share those ideas here on the show I would appreciate it that was just my short very small example of it then, of course, we talked about editing. We discussed about shrunk, shrunk and white, the elements of style, which is a great book you should purchase. And I hope to discuss that in a later show. 
And we talked about the, you know, when you storytell and the way uh, the multiple point of view and not to get confused with the the third person omniscient or the third person narrative and how to make it more advanced and hopefully have a show on that as uh, and go back to Walter Mosley's book where we discuss the point of views and share more insight on that. And we'll be right back. And welcome back to The Daily with Sil Stein here on Anchor. And we left off with Thursday editing and the quote was by Place Yourself in the Background, the, uh, taken from The Elements of Style by Strunk and White. And then um, basically uh, the editing tip is that is a slam against the omniscient narrator. So basically the advice is always good uh, as far as placing yourself in the background unless you're writing a memoir a memoir where you are center stage if not even if your work is all about you make sure the reader doesn't know it so uh, basically one way around this is the multiple points of view technique which seems to have been taken hold in current literature you could do like uh, what Gone Girl did um, Jillian Flynn, she did multiple points of view or more than more, more than, uh, uh, like the girl on the train by Paula Hawkins. Um, they, they all have different points of view. Jodie Picoult uh, has done that as well in some of her novels. It just, you know, it, it's, uh, different kinds of narratives. So you might want to work on that for the Thursday editing. And of course we did Friday biography where we read a quote by the magnificent, uh, Maya Angelou, uh, where she says, I've learned that people will forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. And basically, she was born Marguerite Johnson, and she was one of America's best known poets and autobiographical writers. And basically, um, what they discuss a little bit about her life is li- life was not always easy for her, for Angelou. Angelou's parents divorced when she was only three and she was sent to live in rural Arkansas. Then there was uh, an incident where that left her traumatized and psychologically scarred her and, and, and you know, it left a mark with her and it changed her life. And as a teen, you know, she grew up and uh, basically, um, she says, as a teen, she studied dance and drama, but she dropped out to become San Francisco's first African-American female cable car conductor, and she later finished school. So Angelou knew how to surround herself with powerful and influential leaders in every field. She studied modern dance with Martha Graham danced with Alvin Ailey and in 1958 joined the Harlem Writers Guild where she met Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. In the mid-1960s, she moved on. She moved to Africa where she met Malcolm X. Later, guided by the novelist James Baldwin, she finally put pen to paper and wrote what she knew. The first volume of her five-volume autobiography, I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings, was published in 1970 to international acclaim. To date, 
She has written more than 30 best-selling works. Maya Angelou was and will be one of the greatest poets ever in, in my in my book, in my opinion. And the the real, you know, the 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 thing about her poetry is that she writes about things that have ha- that happened to her, events in her life, and 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 she shared those and channeled them in her writing. So she, even though she had something very traumatic as a child happen to her, she wrote about these experiences and then became the great, literary great that she was and will always be. And uh, so uh, this is what, what we shared for week five biography on Friday. And we'll be right back. And welcome back to The Daily here on Anchor. I am uh, The Daily with Syl Stein. I am Syl Stein and I'm happy to be with you all today. Happy Monday. Now continuing on Saturday, books to read. In Cold Blood by Truman Capote. Amy Peters writes, author Amy Peters puts his quote in the beginning where Truman Capote says, I got this idea of doing a really serious big work. It would be precisely like a novel. With a single difference, every word of it would be true from beginning to end. So here it says, the, In Cold Blood, was published in 1966, Truman Capote in Cold Blood be, became an immediate bestseller. And to think that the book never would have written would have never would have been written if Capote had not read a slim 300 word piece buried in the back of the New York Times about the random and brutal murder of the Clutter family in rural rural Kansas. In Cold Blood tells the story of Dick Hickok and Perry Smith and their mur- and their murder of the four members of the Clutter family. Capote describes everything from the details of the Clutter family's last day to the particulars of the crime scene and the intricate facts about the prosecution and defense case. It's chilling and and a compelling page-turner. With In Cold Blood, Capote created a new genre, narrative nonfiction. Although the idea of a nonfiction novel doesn't seem radical today, in 1966, the concept was unheard of. Capote's writing in this book paved the way for future new journalism writers such as Tom Wolfe, Norman Mailer, and Joan Didion. Capote's books also provided the blueprint for perennially popular television shows about crime like CSI and Law and Order, which focuses both on the crime and on the legal processes that follow. So here we learn that thanks to Truman Capote, this is something that a new genre that got created by his book in Cold Blood. And if you have not read it, you might want to go check it out and and read about it. So those are that's the suggestion for books to read, according to Amy Peters in week five, which is Saturday books to read. Then for Sunday, the writing prompt talks about the nature of friendship. Friendships have been at the core of many great pieces of writing for years. But one of my favorite novels, she says, about the nature of friendship is The Divine Secrets The Divine Secrets of the Yaya Sisterhood by Rebecca Wells. Uh, reviews compared it to the work of Fanny Flagg, who wrote another wonderful book about friendship, Fried Green Tomatoes, 
at the Whistle Stop Cafe. So those were uh, so so this is uh, this is another great book. So she gives you two great examples. The Divine Secrets of the Yaya Sisterhood is a favorite. It's amazing. Of course, Bright Green Tomatoes, Fanny Flag um, is a ama- is an amazing. You know, uh, it, it, both authors, Rebecca Wells and Fanny Flag are great, uh, also great authors, and they wrote great books, and they also made movies uh, about this, and, and they were so well done as well. I enjoyed both of them. Well's second novel continues the story of her character, Siddeley Walker, who, revis- who revisits her mother's lifelong friendships with three women, collectively known as the Yayas, via a scrapbook. The anecdotes about the Yayas are very amusing, and through them, Siddeley is able to understand her mother on a different level. You can write about the friendships of others as Wells did, or explore your own unique relationships with the people with whom you surround yourself. That's the most interesting angle of the nature of friendships. You can't, you can't choose your family, but you can choose your friends. So this is a great example of a writing prompt, and we'll be right back. And welcome back to The Daily here on Anchor. The Daily with Silstein here on Anchor. As we were talking about the two novels by Fanny Flagg, and uh, we were were reflecting back on Rebecca Wells' uh, second novel, which uh, sees Siddeley Walker, who in in the first movie, as you know, or the book, you know, she had a very uh, different types of uh, type of relationship with her mother. She didn't quite understand what her mother had been through, what she went through, and she did start to understand her how the friendships that she had with these three other women really made uh, her mother be the person who Siddeley had no idea who was or who saved her mother. And that's the thing about friendships. They're very important. They're very, you know, they're very profound. And and like I said, you know, I had a best friend um, who for me was my sister. She was part of my family. I, I will always consider her my sister. Her mother is like a second mother. Unfortunately, I lost her earlier this year, but I carry her deep within me uh, in my heart every day. She was uh, one of the best people you could ever meet. Uh, I, I miss her dearly every day. I know she's still with me, you know, I carry her in my heart, but I miss talking to her, you know, and, and interacting with her because she was just such a wonderful person. And you really can't pick, uh, choose your family, but you can choose your friends. And she was more than a friend. She was family. And, you know, and that's the way others feel about, you know, friends that they meet, you know, and if you want to reflect on writing something, a writing prompt that, you can focus on your friendships and why they mean so much to you. And these are the examples. And I, I hope that you're able to work on that for Sunday in your writing prompt. And if you want to call in and share, I would appreciate hearing that as well here on The Daily with Silstein. And now we are going to move on to Monday, Writers on Writing. And that's where I'll leave off today and then I'll do the wrap up next. Um, we're going to start on week six uh, for Mamie Peters, uh, the writer's devotional, 365 inspirational quotes, uh, exercises, ideas, tips, and and motivations on writing. 
Uh, writing is like medicate. Uh, sorry, writing is like meditation or going into an ESP trance or prayer. This is a quote by. Um, I'll read you. It's uh, by Carolyn Shute. Writing is like a medit uh, like a meditation or going into an ESP uh, e ESP trance or prayer. Like dreaming, you are tapping into your unconscious. To be fully conscious and alert with life banging and popping and cuckooing all around, you are not going to find your way to your subconscious, which is a place of complete submission. So, Carolyn Chute, author of the best-selling The Beans of Egypt, published her book in 1985 and she describes isolation as an essential as, as being essential to the writer's art finding complete submission has not always been easy for her shoot spent decades getting by as a waitress chicken factory worker hospital floor scrubber shoe factory worker potato farm worker tutor canvasser, teacher, social worker, and school bus driver before finding success as a writer. Now she lives an isolated life as a rural main outpost. A sign by her driveway reads, Whoa, visitors turn back. And we'll be right back. And welcome back to The Daily here on Anchor. So we were talking about Carolyn Shute and we left off where it says she lived such a, you know, she worked so hard in many jobs and then she now lives in rural Maine outposts. A sign by her driveway reads, a driveway reads, whoa, visitors turn back. If you choose not to heed the warning, you'll find a compound, a compound with stacks of tights, rusty furniture and a pen of Scottish terriers and an AK-47 rifle. Jude has taken an extreme route to finding complete submission. You do not have to move to a rural enclave. However, writers need to create a peaceful environment conducive to tapping into the subconscious, getting into the heart of an idea. You're waiting to hear the timer on your clothes dryer you're probably unable to access some of your deepest thoughts. For shoot and most writers, their crap is not possible with life banging and popping all around. So this is ex a little extreme. Everyone has a right to quiet and stuff, but a lot of you know a lot of writers do take you know uh, where the quiet is, the peacefulness of quiet, um, and and try to focus just on that. I guess because of all the things that she worked on and did around people and and obviously she she wants to be left alone in her craft so that that's one way of of looking at that now as far as the you know this is the the, the example for writers on writing and is sharing about carolyn shoot and she wrote uh the beans of egypt so you might want to check that out and also learn more about her but for now i wanted to do the wrap up of today's show and 
maybe on, uh, I won't say Wednesday, but this week when we do our next show of the Daily Whistlestein, um, we'll discuss the motivation for week six and go back to your writing prompt of the of what we discussed on week five. So we may do that also. But I wanted to go ahead and do some announcements now. Uh, as I told you before, I'm working on getting ready for the Great Lakes Book Bash in Kalamazoo, Michigan. It's coming closer. It'll be next. Uh, I'll be gone. I'll take off on Tuesday through next Sunday. And the event is on Friday and Saturday, October 27, 28. And I'm so excited to be near uh, so many authors and get to interact with them. And of course, the readers uh, doing book signings and stuff. And I'll try to share audio on the event um, and and discuss you know everything that we in, that we interacted. Try to do a live video even if it's short. Um, I'm really excited to be a part of the Great Lakes Book Bash. Uh, thanks to our host and author Rachel Bronwell from the from the that area in Michigan. And what's so amazing too is that we get to spend time with family while we're over there. Not a lot of time, but we get to spend some some time with our family. And I'm so excited to be doing that event. It's one of my, I had one here in, in North Carolina uh, a few years ago. Um, and thanks to Lori Verney Rogarzi. So shout out to her and the authors I got to meet. And this is another, this is another event that I signed up two years ago to do. And I'm so excited it's finally coming, you know, uh, coming on. And we're, we'll get to visit and get that event going. So I'm really, really excited. But I hope you'll join us here on the Daily with Silstein for more more announcements, more lessons on writing tips. I hope to bring you more and interviews on the editors. And it was really, really great to uh, to have you guys here today. And thank you for being a part of the Daily with Silstein. I hope you'll check us out and give your comments and look forward to hearing from you guys. You have a wonderful day.